Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the uh, the maiden voyage. Is it? Is that be right? The maiden, That's right. The maiden voyage of the Attic Podcast. Let me get out of the way so you guys can see this amazing neon sign that was sent to us by a very, very generous and very, very kind subscriber and friend. So thank you so much. We love this sign. It is a fantastic inspiration. So thanks very much to you. Yes, thank you very much. And welcome to the first broadcast. I am Nags. And uh, on this podcast, podcast will always be the lovely Clara. Hello. We are co-hosts together. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We thought what we would do was we would take um, the topics that we talk about when we're off camera um, and that we would talk about them on camera so that you guys could see how different we are, how alike we are. Maybe we'll even squabble. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Doubtful. Yeah, doubtful. It's, it's doubtful. I, I pick my battles and usually it's zero. <laughs> so... So, um, and I wanted to let you guys know that um, we are open to suggestions, all right? We want audience participation. We want people to let us know what it is that you want to hear us talk about. Um, and just let us know our email address. Well, my email address is in the description box. Um, you can reach me that way. I'm going to put your email address in the description box too. So if you want to reach us, um, you can also join Nexus community by going to his Patreon, and that link is also in the description box. You can DM him on Discord. You can join the community. It is fantastic. Uh, it's a really, really friendly, very welcoming community. It is not at all what you have heard, okay? It's a great community, so please do join, and that's a way that you can actually get in touch with us both. So Instant access, and mm -hmm. you can uh, you can either go to the link in the description or right now hop on over to thenegativenation.com, thenegativenation.com, and that will take you directly to my Patreon always. so Thank you, Holly. Thank yes. you so much for the super sticker. Thank you. Very, very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Thing. Love for Holly in the chat. Yes, love for Holly in the chat. So um, today we're going to be discussing what the thumbnail said, tragedy pimps. Uh, Savage has been going in on them really hard and basically the tragedy pimps have been on some serious fuck shit as of late. So we wanted to discuss that and how they are a negative, having a negative impact on these investigations and these uh, cases. Mm -hmm. Last night um, we watched most of Joe Berlinger's Cecil Hotel documentary because I really wanted Negs to see the part with the YouTubers. Uh, and the internet sleuths and the true crime people. Because I wanted him to get an idea of how much hysteria was whipped up by that Elisa Lamb case and how they damaged the investigation. They damaged the investigation. And what, the, what happened was the police, for those of you who aren't familiar, familiar, familiar with the case, Elisa Lamb was a young woman in her 20s who was traveling to California by herself, went to Los Angeles and checked into the Cecil Hotel. She had no idea about the hotel's history. She didn't know where the hotel was located. She knew nothing about Los Angeles. But that was all a red herring. Now, I don't want to give away what actually happened to Elisa Lamb, but all the theories about what caused her death were incorrect. So um, 
the police released a video of Elisa Lam in the elevator of the Cecil Hotel, and it launched a million conspiracy theories and completely fucked up the investigation um, and made the police chase a lot of false leads uh, and caused a lot of anguish and agony to her family that had flown in from Canada, Chinese uh, immigrants from Hong Kong or Taiwan, I believe. Uh, so it was it was awful. And um, in the midst of the the fervor, the uh, the tin foil brigade watching this this elevator clip over and over again, they started uh, descending upon the Cecil, and just it, it was very bizarre. But they ended up accusing a uh, musician who had been there what the previous week something like that he, he had been staying there the previous week and they accused him of being involved in it and it cost him basically his sanity nearly uh, he nearly unalived himself right and uh all because of what these people are doing actively right now uh, uh that that savage is covering mm -hmm. and the thing is that um his case the case of that musician who was completely innocent of what he was being accused of, had never met Elisa Lam, had nothing to do with the case whatsoever. It was very similar to the case of Damien Eccles in the West Memphis Three. The reason that people suspected him was because of his appearance, the kind of music that he played. Um, they thought that he had some kind of a satanic presence around him. And they, they tried very, very hard to destroy his life. And he nearly did end up taking his own life over the false accusations. He did or did he? Almost. Oh, almost did. Okay, sorry. I was uh, being inappropriate and reading the chat at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like this was a good topic to open up with because I, for one, don't cover these tragedy pimps because of what it involves. Um, in order to talk about these people as individuals, I have to eventually reference the case, and that makes me uncomfortable. And I don't want to be any part of the case unless I'm helping. So... Um, but this this also happens outside of any of these cases. You can actively see that uh, people get involved in anything. They start creating scenarios of crimes that, like uh, you, as for example, if you were a content creator, people would uh, see you say X Y Z, put the connect the dots, and accuse you of a crime. It's um, what would you call it? It's basically uh, people become a, a hive mind, right? When they're trying to help, <laughs> right? Exactly. And keep in mind, the problem that I have with these people, they're not professionals. They're, they're not trained in anything. You know, they're mostly, they're not doctors, they're not investigators, they're not detectives, they're not journalists, they have no discipline, they have no, they have nothing limiting what it is that they are willing to do. I mean, Nags was talking about the, um, the true crime creators content creators showing up at the Cecil and their behavior at the Cecil was so inappropriate. I mean, when you consider not only the fact that a girl died on the roof of the hotel, which is what brought them there in the first place, but the fact that the Cecil has been a hotel associated with death, both natural and unnatural for decades. Uh, it's a hotel that caters to very, very poor, down and out people, people who are mentally ill, people who are fresh out of prison, some of the most vulnerable elements of the population. And they're rampaging through the hotel and going into the elevator and acting like they're at Disney, yeah. you know, yeah, it was bizarre. and they're, they're, it was so disrespectful of the circumstances that led them to go there. And that was that's actually one of the problems that I have with a lot of these people. I don't think that they're phony, um, sanctimony 
is should be mistaken for sympathy uh, or compassion. I think that a lot of them are actors um, and they're making a lot of money doing what they're doing. I get it, but they need to check themselves. I mean, the, the scene, I, I keep bringing this up, but a scene where Stephanie Harlow is sitting there and she is reading the medical examiner's report. And I thought, how can you understand what you're reading? And that's not meant to be dismissive of her, but she's not a doctor. She's not a pathologist. So you read the autopsy report and you and you determine what exactly that the pathologist or that the, the medical examiner didn't determine. It's madness to me. She She's helping like Ralphie. Right. In the sense of I'm helping. No, honey, you're in danger. It was really bizarre to see them go to these like where the water tank was. Mm -hmm. And acting like it was, I don't even know, mm -hmm. acting like it was, they were smiling and, and being very juvenile about being in this location where a tragedy had happened and mo many lives were ruined. Um, it was just, it's so, to me, it's inappropriate. Like there's so many other things you can get joy out of in this world. Mm -hmm. But these people, there was one guy, what was that one guy? He went how many times? 20, he said first yeah. said at least 10. Then he was like, oh. 10 to 20 times. He kept going to the Cecil over right. and over and over and over again. Why? Why? Exactly. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Um, you know, and the funny thing is, I was reading this um, article today, this morning, when I was preparing for this, uh, and that it was about the documentary Don't Fuck With Cats, because I just finished reading, uh, watching Vatican Girl, which was produced by the same guy. It's brilliant. I highly recommend it. Um, it's an open case still. The, the girl's body was never found. So just to let you know, don't expect any resolution, but it's a brilliant documentary. But the thing about Don't Fuck With Cats is that it got a lot of accolades and people really loved it because a bunch of crazy cat lovers came together to solve a crime. It's, it's, so, um, it's so quaint, isn't it? But what the documentary doesn't really call them out on the two people who were the principals in that Facebook group that was trying to track down the, the lunatic in Canada who was killing cats in a horrible way and ended up killing a human being in an even worse way. Thank you, Luna. Thank you so much for being a member for eight months. I appreciate that. Um, is that initially they were being trolled by someone. Um, they directed the group's attention and eventually people watching the group directed their attention to this troll who was a totally random guy living in Namibia who ended up committing suicide because of all the negative attention. Um, and they, the documentary maker focused so exclusively on the Facebook group, but didn't really focus on what the police did to track down this maniac, right? And I thought to myself, that's true. It made these two, these people look like the citizen heroes, and I'm not taking away from what they did. Their work, their detective work was amazing, but they got the wrong guy initially, and the guy is no longer alive. And these people need to be held accountable for that. We can't just dismiss it just because they ended up bumbling into the right guy, you know? Yeah, they, and it's real funny because after all this damage is done, they celebrate it like it's a victory, like they did something at the, in the end. And I, I can't get that creepy... <coughs> bald guy or what he went very bald he looked bald he had a weird cue ball head and he's like i've been 20 times I'm yeah like, yeah yeah for what did you find the drugs there or right. the prostitution or what, what's going on mm -hmm. like because uh i can't see any reason to go to the cecil 20 times unless you're you know copping dope can i tell you honestly that after i saw that documentary i was thinking um 
of going to LA and going to the Cecil just for content. And then I realized that the hotel is not taking guests. So, oh, well. Oh, good. Yeah. But not to, not to be a ghoul, just to look at Skid Row and, you know, film it and all that kind of stuff, but whatever. Um, also, for those of you who remember the, the insane, uh, horrible fuck up that happened, thanks to Reddit, uh, in 2013, after the Boston bombing, when a Reddit group was created to try to figure out who in that crowd planted those pressure cookers and blew up the marathon, right? And they got the wrong people. One of the guys that they accused was a guy who had gone to Brown University. He had been missing and he turned up dead in a river. Um, and his family was inundated with hate, and the kid was, uh, I think he was Indian, hate, racism, all of this. The guy had nothing to do with it. He was dead when the when the marathon took place. Um, and of course, none of the people involved in that misidentification, they're all anonymous. What are you going to do? You know, it's fucking Reddit. What are you going to say? And then they ended up um, pointing out two guys in the crowd who had backpacks. The New York Post took that information, put it on the cover. The guys sued for defamation and they won, of course, uh, because they had nothing to do with it. And again, it was all because the Boston police, no, it was the FBI released a sketch of what the bombers may look like. And if you look at Tamerlan and Tamerlan and, and Jokar Sarnayev, first of all, it gave them an opportunity to uh, plan an escape the fact that the sketch came out and you look at the two guys that were on the cover of the New York post, they look nothing like Tamerlan and, and Jokar Sarnayev. Um, so again, and it was considered to be a huge fuck up. And just as a, just as a, an aside um, at work, I was asked to do a story about the conspiracy theories surrounding the Boston marathon. And I said, you want me to do a story about people being falsely accused? No, thank you. Uh, I'll pass. <laughs> no, what am I supposed to say? People got it wrong. That's not a story. People got it, get it wrong on the internet all the time. Daily, you know, <laughs> constantly. Um, uh, like right now, I know that there is, I just saw a video on Savage's channel where some of these pimps are out in front of a house projecting a news report onto somebody's home and blaring the audio from it about this, this child's murder. Why hasn't this woman been charged? Which child? Because there's so many that they're protesting right now. Uh, let me. Uh, Is it the baby? It may. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to go see if I have the uh, clip readily available. But uh, I mean, like, okay, look, if the person has done something, uh, please let the police officers do their job. Mm -hmm. Can we do that? Um, let's see here. 249 people here. Please do like, share, subscribe, consider becoming a member. Eventually, these podcasts are going to be on a totally separate channel. And we are going to figure out a way to upload this to Spotify. So don't worry about it. We're working on it. But please, in the meantime, do support the broadcast. Thank you. Uh, apparently, this is a Lilani Simon. I don't know who this is, but this is what they're doing at these people's home. This Keep in mind, there are neighbors. <laughs> There are other children in the neighborhood and they're all being terrorized and the police are, and the, this, to me, this type of thing impedes the investigation. Oh, 
think so, Alyssa. Let us know about anything. But what you see right here, of course, many people are asking why hasn't is, of course, with their son Quentin's death. We're gonna check in. Sorry, y'all. And right there, they're projecting the news report onto her home wow. and blaring the audio. Now, if she's guilty, she's guilty. Right. But what's the point in this? What does this do? Right. She's They're playing Baby Shark too. This is just uh, this is just terrorism, emotional terrorism. And uh, listen, um, not trying to play devil's advocate for the woman who may or may not be guilty, but she has not been found guilty of anything. Right. And she has not been charged. It is not up for the public to scream and yell until somebody is put in handcuffs because that's a slippery slope. I don't understand how those people can be allowed to be on the property line or across the property line. If they were across the street, that would be one thing because the street is public property. But that is, look, they're on the lawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, in, in, uh, in my state, I don't know where they're at, but I figured it would be the same in any state. But in my state, see this person right here? Right. They're in my yard. Exactly. That's and, what I'm saying. And I would be right here under this little canopy with mm -hmm. my shotgun. Right. That's what that's how it would work. And anybody on this property line that doesn't leave is subjected is subjected to my state self-defense law. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying go out there and uh you can't just go out and start spraying bullets like Rambo, but mm -hmm. uh in my state that wouldn't fly. You can protect your family. Speaking of which, speaking of this being Indiana, why do you think Summer Wells's parents haven't been more forceful in doing something about those people? They've destroyed those parents' lives? Probably because they, they're they just not of that character. They probably never dealt with anything like this. And then when it happened, it just took an emotional toll and they don't know how to fight back. They, I, from what I understand, they were, were poor. Um, mm -hmm. And not not to, to perpetuate stereotypes, but poverty and, and, and illiteracy go hand in hand. So my, my assumption is, is that they just come from the wrong side of the tracks. And don't know what to do and there's nobody's gonna have their back and they're very easy they're low-hanging fruit because they're from the other side of the tracks my opinion but you know it's weird because generally speaking when um a case is so high profile people do come out of the woodwork i mean granted most of them are crooks but i don't know i would think that somewhere there would be a lawyer or even a local police officer who would advise them on what they can do an injunction anything to keep those people away from them. I mean, Molly Golightly's behavior, and I, I don't follow her. I don't follow her, but Molly Golightly and Bullhorn Betty and the way that they have interfered in that case um, and the way that they have tormented, especially the father. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to me, I mean, you know, the expression, there ought to be a law. There probably is a law. I'm just surprised it isn't being enforced. If anybody knows anything about Indiana law and protests, let me know, because I have no idea. Well, I know one thing. I, you don't see people doing, uh, you know, this in Indiana. Not that I know of. Um, people generally get out of the way and let the uh, the police do their work. Now, uh, I know of another Indiana resident who has shown up and to harass a woman whose child was missing. Mm -hmm. uh, she's been covering the Delphi case recently, too. We all know who she is, my God. Give right. Her, give her any airtime. But uh, um, that was a brief encounter, but there were no protesters or anything. It was that, but she did. I've seen her. This tra particular tragedy pimp went to the scene where they were trying to find this mm -hmm. child's remains or try to find where the child was and just openly harassing the mother of the missing child. It's wild. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Elliot Benson says First Amendment protects them. The First Amendment does cover freedom of assembly. That is absolutely correct. However, however, um, there are limits. There are limits. You cannot go onto somebody's property, for example. Um, freedom of speech does not give you the right to defame people. Defamation, libel, and slander are not covered by the First Amendment. The First Amendment does cover your right to lie. Lies are covered by the First Amendment. Defamation, slander, and libel are not covered. So there are limits to these freedoms. And it seems to me, now granted, I, I followed the Delphi case initially, but I got really turned off when I was listening to some true crime podcasts where there was speculation about who could have kidnapped or killed those girls. And they, they were getting their information. The podcasters were getting their information again off of Reddit where there was a ton of speculation. A ton of people were being smeared with no evidence. Um, and I think it's an irresponsible to then go on a podcast with thousands, hundreds of thousands of listeners and say, oh, well, the theory is blah, blah, blah. Thank you, Dee. Thank you, my love. Appreciate that. Thank you for your generosity. Um, so yeah, and of course, uh, our, our one individual that we know has gotten a restraining order in regard in uh, re relation to the you want to talk case. about that. Uh, what the restraining order? MFW. Oh, MFW. Yeah, she's the one I was saying that went out and harassed that mother of the uh, missing child, and then she started uh, sticking her nose into the Delphi case to the point where she started threatening people who were organizing events or something. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for the super sticker. And then she was, and then she was, was slapped with a no contact or she's not, she was not allowed to go to any of the events around uh, the case, uh, certain people. I mean, it's like she went that deep in on people where there was a protective order put out of her. And now she's at the presser for these girls. Right. See, it's disgusting because she mm -hmm. doesn't care. We know why she's there. Right. Right. Um and I was stupid. I, I told Negs this already. I mean, this, but I told him months ago, he probably forgot. Why am I reminding him that I said this? But um, I, when I first heard her talking about the Delphi case, stupidly, I thought, well, maybe because she's from Indiana, maybe she has some inside knowledge. Of course she doesn't. She's just another amateur with a big mouth. Um, and a sloppy brain who decides to offer up her opinion. She knows about as much about it as I do, which is nothing. I can read Reddit too. It doesn't mean that I know anything, you know. Um, but that's the problem, you know, when you have people on a platform streaming or blogging or whatever, for some reason, the audience thinks that that gives them a certain level of authority if you can say something authoritatively enough and you act like you know what you're talking about, people will believe you. Mm. And that gets you in trouble. You know, um, if you start interfering in police business, it gets you. In Summer Wells has never been found, right? No. I didn't think so. No. no she's most likely deceased. Right. Um, and, and probably to no thanks to uh, outside intervention mm -hmm. and, and muddying up the waters. Um I, I, I've went to several of these, one in particular named Dolly Vision, this particular tragedy oh. pimp, okay. his entire channel. There's hundreds of thumbnails of Summer Wells. This dude uh, allegedly has a criminal, a violent criminal record. Mm -hmm. um, it, he is not somebody I'd want to see outside my house. I mean, you know, certain people just have a look. He has a look. And 
why is this alleged former violent felon so obsessed with all these missing and exploited children? He went from covering like music and stuff. You go to his channel, it's totally something different, almost like the garlic bread thing. Like he was you know, right. from the Madden community. He's from a different community. And then, then I saw his first video on a missing child and he's not stopped every day. He's going to the scenes. He's harassing people. He's putting on masks in front of these people's houses to taunt them. Can you highlight um, this comment, please? Um, okay, Lily, I, I see what you're saying. And I think that if somebody is going to offer up their expertise as in general, as a general principle, like, okay, if I were defending this case in court, this is what I would do. This is this would be my strategy. Or um, uh, if you're a retired detective, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share an anecdote with you. I've told this on my channel, but you may not have heard it. So um, when the DC sniper case was happening in DC, in the DC area, um, residents of DC and the outer lying suburbs were absolutely terrified, terrified. And there was a lot of very bad information coming out uh, that the, uh, the shooters were connected to a white van, not true. Um, that there was some connection between the shootings and Michael's, the craft store, the party store, not true. It was just a coincidence because a lot of the shootings were happening in strip malls and where there was a Michael's present, but it had nothing to do with it. And um, my editors asked me to bring on a former FBI profiler. And because Clint Van Sant was on MSNBC, there were profilers all over the place. And in the newsroom, we had a bank of TVs with CNN, MSNBC, Fox, the networks and all that. And every time you would look up at the wall with all the TVs, you would see a profiler who was on talking. And they asked me to bring on a profiler. And I said, why? And they said, well, everybody's got a profiler. We need one too. I said, well, yeah, but I mean, profilers are not they don't have crystal balls. They're not magicians. And all that stuff that you see um, in the popular TV shows, they're not accurate, okay? None of the profilers who are on TV right now sharing their knowledge, so-called, have seen the case file. Non none of them know the details. And I think it would be irresponsible to bring on a profiler. First of all, I don't think I could find one who would come on to discuss this, this case. Second of all, um, it would be irresponsible to frighten people who are already frightened by giving them bad information. They threatened to fire me. I said, okay, fine, I'll do what you want. So I called down to um, Quantico, no, Fredericksburg. For some reason, a lot of these former profilers retired in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I found a guy, I can't remember his name now. I could get the name later, but... Um, and he said exactly what I thought he was going to say. He said, well, I can't discuss the specifics because I haven't seen the case file. I said, okay, well, if you could just come on and talk generally about how you profile a case. And he goes, okay. And he came on and my bosses were furious and they said that my interview was terrible and it sucked and it was not informative. And why couldn't you do this? And I said, because he hasn't seen the case file. Well, come to find out that every single one of the profiles was wrong. They were all wrong. They all said it was a single white male between the ages of X and X, they were wrong. It was two black males. It was an older man and it was a younger one, a teenager. Um, that they were operating out of a car where they were shooting out, I think this that the, the guy was driving but he was shooting out the passenger side window at the same time. Um, that was incorrect. 
Um, and every single element of the profile was wrong. Every single thing. They couldn't have been more wrong. And did they all suffer professional consequences? Of course they didn't because the truth didn't matter. It was all about entertainment. And that that that's one of the problems with popularizing a, um, a profession like profiling. It is a profession. It's highly scientific. Uh, but when you turn it into pop culture, then you end up with a mess and people are terrified looking for white vans everywhere where it was actually what, like a station wagon. They had a gun turret in the back. Um, and it was a disaster. They laid in the trunk and there was an yes, opening in the back. And they, exactly. He was a really skilled sniper. Thank you, Lark. Apparently he had military experience, didn't he? Malvo? The older one did, but the I think that the younger one was shooting. Oh, the kid. He? he must have trained him because right. that shooting through that opening, laying down in a trunk from that far, that's that's skill. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to something I mentioned earlier about Dolly Vision. Just mm -hmm. I just want to give you guys a uh I want to give you guys a an example of what's going on in front of these people's houses with, when their children are missing, exploited, murdered, raped, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. This is what this alleged uh, violent felon does. This is, at the, this is supposed to be a protest for uh, for uh, a missing child or a murdered child. This is what he's doing. He's helping, guys. Uh, let's see. Got a secret? Can you keep it? Dolly Vision, don't buy press conferences on. Well, right this second, I'm in the airport flying into Carolina to handle some business at the court. Wow. And uh, up. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna be able to check it out because I'm here with you guys. I'm here with you. He's making thousands of dollars a week by showing up at people's houses, making all these videos, video after video after mm -hmm. video after video, showing up, muddying up the cases, uh, threatening people who are uh, reporting on them. He, he, Dolly and Bullhorn Betty have been out here threatening Savage, threatening anybody mm -hmm. that ever questions what they're doing so i like i know people are doing it for clicks and views but listen this is a huge defining factor of one's uh personality of, of, of their character rather and it's damning to me right and i saw that lily said something about how the tip from um the tip about delphi came in because of a podcast or whatever I, look i am not saying that it is impossible for good information to come out of um, crowdsourcing, podcasts, et cetera, okay? I'm not saying that it never happens, and I'm not saying that every single person who's doing true crime content on the platform has bad intent or is just a grifter or doing it for greedy purposes or whatever. I, I'm not saying that. Look, Investigation Discovery has done a lot of... Um, studies on who watches their content. And it is an overwhelmingly female audience. True crime is extremely popular with women. Women love true crime content. And so that's why you have so many scorned wife, crazy women, whatever, shows, stalking men, 
um, that kind of thing. You have that kind of content on investigation discovery. It's overwhelmingly true crime content, if not 100%. So I understand that there's an audience there. There's an audience to be catered to. And not everybody who is into that content is a ghoul. Look, I've done true crime content on my channel. I love it. But the one caveat that I have is I never, ever, ever discuss open cases, ever. I know I have a really small channel. I am not a professional. I don't have that kind of time to delve into an open case. I figure it's open for a reason. I don't have any additional information. If you want to read about the case, there are plenty of sources. I, I have nothing to add. You know, that's ultimately what it is. And I don't want anybody to walk away from my channel with bad info just because I think, wow, that's really cool or interesting because I have nothing to say about it. Um, I actually respect the police and the FBI and all the law enforcement organizations that come together to solve a case. The problem that I have is that with the popularity of podcasts like Serial, for example, you've got a lot of people who are like, wow, you know, I can be a hero too. I'm going to be a hero. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start a channel. I am going to find the killer. And I am going to be lauded. And I mean, Serial made an enormous amount of money. Enormous. And I just want to say, just for the record, I know that Adnan Syed, who was the subject of the first series of Serial, was released recently. I believe that Adnan Syed is guilty. I think he should still be in prison. I think he killed that girl. I think the evidence is pretty overwhelming that he is guilty. Um, but a court decided that he should be released, so he was released. That's fine. That is entirely because of the influence of Serial. If it turns out that Adnan Syed is guilty and they were complicit in getting a killer released, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. That's just me. That That's just how I think. And to uh, touch on my point about them showing up and being gross. Uh, yeah, we were founded on uh, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and stuff. And that's mm -hmm. the only reason I'm here talking about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I'm doing, I'm, a, I'm the counter protest. That's it. right. I'm not saying go arrest them. That doesn't mean that one of these parents isn't going to come out there and do something physically themselves because they're inching towards that. Cause mm -hmm. I know how uh, parents in these states of mind, grieving parents think, and you're not thinking about somebody else's safety. You're thinking mm -hmm. about your child. Right. And regardless of how they feel about uh, who may or may not be guilty, there are other people who are grieving in that area mm -hmm. who need uh, the respect to be able to process this and help. And you can't help when you have dozens of people outside your home with Ninja Turtle mask on, having block parties, projecting the news on your house and screaming and think about. The, fuck, OK, let's let's take the people they think are guilty mm -hmm. out of the equation. Let's talk about the neighbors. Let's talk mm -hmm. about the autistic little boy next door. Let's talk about the, the, the baby, the newborn baby across the street, whatever it may be, the 85 year old woman that lives alone. And all these strangers are flooding into their town. They don't know who they are. Dolly Vision looks like a homeless sex offender. Mm -hmm. Just my opinion. Right. And you go out, you see this guy and you're like, what the fuck is going on? I'm scared. It's loud. I'm frightened. I, I'm old. I don't have anybody here for me. I'm, I'm little. My, uh, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But yeah, go ahead and, and, and gather and scream and cry and get, and get your money. But I'm going to be here to talk about it. Um, you're talking, uh, Natasha, you ask about Brendan Dassey. That was the guy from, um, something, a murderer, that Netflix series. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure that you guys in chat are going to remind me. Um, first of all, I think that both of those men are guilty. 
Um, I think that there's no question about Stephen being guilty. Of course he's guilty. Come on. Um, the I thought that that, uh, that series was incredibly biased. And I understand documentaries are by very, by their very definition, they are biased, of course. You don't devote that kind of time and effort into a subject unless you go into it with a point of view, all right? So I get that. Um, but I have actually had some conversations with friends about Brendan Dassey, making a murderer. Thank you guys so much. I just blanked on it. Um, so the the argument that was presented in making a murderer was that Brendan is so mentally challenged that he was incapable of making a a decision a, a thought out adult decision that he he avoided responsibility shouldn't be in prison i have talked to some friends about it because i used to agree with that and then i talked to some friends and my mind has been changed i think that he was fully complicit and i don't think that he should be given a break because of his alleged you know mental challenges i think that they were both involved in um uh, the assault and murder of that woman. And I don't think that either of them should be granted any mercy. Uh, and the fact that there are people who thought with the overwhelming amount of evidence against Stephen anyway, uh, that somehow that he was innocent. It's like, are you guys looking at the same evidence I am? If we were on a jury, we would have a problem. Um, somebody said they're take people are taking their children to these protests. Mm. That's insanity. Um, what are they telling their kids? I mean, like you need to teach your children to be aware of their surroundings and not talk to strangers to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. But like, what are they telling them? And then they go there and they see Bullhorn Betty and all these other tragedy pips screaming, wearing Ninja Turtle. They're going to think this is normal. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. And what are you telling the kid that that child's been abducted and murdered? Well, how horrifying for the child. Like what this is, that's just bad parenting, period. Mm -hmm. Well, um, there was a case in D.C. when I was a kid of these two girls who were kidnapped at a mall in suburban Maryland. And it was front page news. Uh, the girls ended up being killed by this pedophile who had kidnapped them. But it was the kind of case that really resonates with you because we were all the same age at the time as the girls. And so we related very strongly to these girls. And that was a time when parents didn't believe in hiding information from kids. You know, we weren't, we were Gen X, we were not raised in bubble wrap or cotton wool. And so we were exposed to all of these terrible crimes. Um, but that was a matter of just be aware because we were, our generation is known for being raised as pretty much feral. We were allowed to go everywhere by ourselves. We were allowed to walk everywhere, come home to an empty house with a key around the neck and everything. But it was the first case where we realized that we had to be careful. But that was as far as it went, but taking your children to, no, no, no. Oh, you can block, thank you. Um, so there's a difference between talking to your kids about being careful, like stranger danger, and actually having them go and celebrate what it seems like a celebration, doesn't it? Or like two minutes hate. Oh, let's go to somebody's house and torment them. Uh, it's 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 ghoulish and disgusting in the extreme. Yeah, um, I've never 
um, as far as me uh, uh, being a parent, I've never taken my kids on adult adventures. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they're a different generation. They got technology, cell phones. We, I wanted to know where they were just because of the things I've experienced in my life. But my goal was to protect their innocence, not to, because they're going to find out how fucked this world is mm-hmm. when they become an adult, probably prior to that. I knew at 13 how fucked up the world was. So I would like, my goal was to protect my children from all that horse shit until they found out on their own. They, they've been warned, like, again, you teach your child what to look out for, uh, to be safe, not to talk, speak to strangers, not to take uh, candy from strangers. That I don't know if people will even do that anymore, but you know right. what I'm saying? So um, never would I be like, here, hold this sign. A child was murdered, maybe, but we're going to go here and play judge, jury, and executioner in front of these people's house. It would just traumatize a kid. I mean, and, and there's different sorts of trauma they, they, that could traumatize them that they just grew up to be a, a, a bag of poop like their parents. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, of course, some sometimes um, the press, sometimes detectives, sometimes the FBI, a lot of people rush to judgment. These are human institutions that are subject to human frailty and weakness. This is something that happens. The best that you can hope for is that there's a course correction, you know. Um, But my problem specifically is with people who do not have training of any kind. Um, And I'm not saying that you that a person who has never been to the police academy or to Quantico or uh, a place like that can never have anything to offer. What I am saying, though, is that anything that they have to say is an opinion that is as valid as mine or Neg's or anybody in chat. And it carries no extra weight whatsoever just because they have a YouTube channel or a blog or a, you know, a Twitter feed or something like that, or because they speak sincerely into a camera. I mean, just be careful. Well, Melissa, I mean, you got to be real with your kids, but you can't. Um, Thank you, Luna. You can't. I mean, like, listen to each their own. Everybody raises their kids different. It's just of my opinion that I wouldn't take my kids to a, to stand out in front of a, a missing child's home and harass the family. Mm-hmm. It sets a bad example. You're supposed to lead by example in this world. And just because we have social media now and everybody's more aware of their constitutional rights in, in regard to the social media. The, and, and also just because you have a YouTube channel doesn't mean you're fucking special. You're not. Mm-hmm. You have a channel like a billion other uh, losers on this platform, you know? So I, I, cause you know, growing up, uh, raising my kids, I was a YouTuber. And when I made videos, I included them, but they were funny comedy, lighthearted, not serious videos about ramen noodles and Nerf guns. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, look, I'm just as opposed to the fucking, you know, Westboro Baptist church taking their kids out and protesting soldiers' funerals, uh, or tormenting um, families that that lost a loved one because reasons, you know. And if you listen, if you actually, if you read the interviews with some of the kids who left that cult, and you see the damage that was done to them by taking them out and showing their faces publicly, carrying those horrible signs, and shouting abuse at family members at funerals. Um, the, the abuse, the, the, uh, the impact was quite serious. It was quite serious. And luckily, uh, the, uh, the more outspoken ones, uh, are 
remarkably intact psychologically considering what they were raised with. And they are genuinely sorry for the suffering that they brought to these families. Um, so I, I'm just opposed to taking children to demonstrations full stop. I don't think the demonstrations are a place for kids. They're not. Those are adult events. Right. Um, I know they're not age restricted, but look at some of the events people are taking their children to now. I'm not, you know what I'm talking about. People have lost all sense of morality is really my point. Uh, Thank for, you, Rain. For any of this today is that, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I say very controversial hot takes on the Internet, but it's on the Internet and it's very optional for people just to turn it off. Mm -hmm. And I'm not out in front of your home, your job, right. trying to make you lose your job, your mind, your family, whatever it may be. So mm -hmm. just have some morals. You want to fuck with people? Fine. Just have some morals about it. Mm -hmm. Stop bringing in non-combatants. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. There is a difference between opinions that are stated on the internet that might make you uncomfortable and somebody standing on your front lawn or contacting the authorities or trying to shut you up as if we live in North Korea or Moscow, which we do not, um, and threatening your safety, your livelihood, your sanity, your family, anything. Um, there's a huge difference. And there, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who cannot make that distinction. And there is a distinction. And it's very, very frightening. All right. Sorry, I was just pulling up the outro. Um, um, you're accusing a people of heinous. Am I, Elliot? I figured that's what you were getting to. Um, oh, okay. Uh, am I? No, I'm not. But whatever. <laughs> bye ellie have a good day um i i don't have much more to add on this topic Me neither. uh do you do you want is there anything you want to tell people or do we have nope. anything nope okay so um so next week okay are you ready yeah. since we're doing these podcasts on wednesday we have an event next tuesday we do Mm -hmm. What's the event? An election. Oh, yeah. An election we have midterms event. coming up on Tuesday, <laughs> <laughs> which means that we are going to be talking about the outcome of the election. And I think, I think, listen, I want to make everybody understand something very, very clearly. I have been a political journalist for 30 years, okay? I do not approach these elections with emotion, with hysteria, with um, any kind of preconceived notion. I am looking at the numbers. I am looking at the numbers only. I am not here to cry, gnash my teeth, scream, pull my hair out, or choke nags, or attack him, even if he gloats. If nags gloats... I will be talking about the numbers oh. and I will be talking about why, why the numbers are the way they 